please welcome to the show our next guest. You're listening to Not So Live from Asteroid G. I'm Mike Finkelstein with me in the booth this week, since apparently every single one of my co-hosts is sick with COVID. I have Will Bloodworth. Welcome to the booth, Will. Holla holla, I'm not sick. <laughs> <laughs> Someone who's not so... Well, I mean, you did have a bad batch of Chipotle earlier, so that was hit or miss there for a second. <laughs> I think we're going to be okay tonight. <laughs> I mean, I didn't say anything at the time, but I'm sitting there going, well, it is Chipotle. So... <laughs> it is Chipotle, yeah. I, yeah, I tried out that new um, plant-based uh, chorizo, which is actually really tasty. Very good. Um, I don't know if I was ready for it. <laughs> apparently but... your guts were not. We're apparently not. Apparently not. <laughs> But we made it through. We're here, live, yeah, we're and in your head, and in your ear. And to remind my uh, listeners, the reason why you were eating the plant-based version is because you do not eat meat. That's completely accurate. That's mm-hmm. right. Yep, <laughs> I'm a full, full-fledged, crazy-ass vegan boy. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't going to say the crazy part, but... <laughs> well, I'd just save everybody else calling you that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I certainly, I don't have anything wrong with it. I personally, I, I like meat. And sure. I mean, I'm on cholesterol. When I tried to not have anything with cholesterol in it, and I was doing just like tofu and stuff, my cholesterol went up. So my body sure. is like, no, fuck you. You're just, you just go eat what you want. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it requires a bit of balance. Yeah. Like you can def, you can, you can get fat off a vegan diet very easily because it's going to be a little bit more carb heavy, mm-hmm. typically. Yeah. A little more gluten heavy. So it's, it's something you got to be careful of. It's, 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 it's a trap for a lot of new vegetarians and vegans. Like, oh, you know what? Oreos are vegan. I can eat Oreos. That's <laughs> awesome. <But> they, <laughs> the cereal's vegan. But they are vegan. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that, that's great, but it doesn't make them good for you. No, it's, it's, it's plant lard, but that's still kind of lard. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember what it is, actually. But I think it's, I think it's hydrogenated something or other it's, it's basically crisco with sugar is what it is it's it's yeah it's yeah. it's yeah vegetable crisco yeah. vegetable crisco that's what it is yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah i mean it is also like that thing of you know for anyone who's like i'm gonna do this because so my my doctor says my cholesterol will go down if i eat healthy well if your genetics say otherwise you know <laughs> don't yeah. just do the vegan part because you gotta listen to your body on that one <laughs> You, you do, and and you have to balance things out. Yeah, you you have to make sure you're getting the right nutrients. Yeah. And you know, some some people, if you're anemic, it's really hard to get non-animal based iron mm-hmm. and other aminos. So, yeah, it's it can be tricky. It's not as simple as saying I'm not going to eat meat anymore. Like, no, great, but cover these bases. So. <laughs> I will say when I was going to Cadoba back in the day, and I mean they didn't have a plant-based thing at some point, but they they have the you know basically it's just the bean burrito that they can make there. I did actually enjoy that. The beans on their own are fairly filling. Yeah, and yeah. um, I remember the last time I, I I set foot in a Qdoba, it was because my uh, my stepfather when I was visiting back in in Milwaukee where I'm from. Yeah, uh, we were we were going to go to Chipotle. That's what I thought. Uh-huh. And and I, you know, I was like, yeah, that's great because they actually have this thing called sofritas. This is this is of course before the the chorizo, the plant based chorizo came yeah. out. And I was like, I have something that I can eat. This is something I normally get. That's great. We can go out and do this and eat together as a family. And he takes me to Qdoba, and I'm like, what do you mean? What, what, I thought I thought we were going to Chipotle. It was, it was it's the same thing. I'm like, there's a big difference. That yeah. big difference is I can't eat anything here. 
at all. Yeah. <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I, okay, I, I'm not endorsing Kidoba at all, and I refuse to say it as Kidoba right. because there's no U in their name. It is a Q followed by Doba, okay? It's Kidoba. Right. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's like the people Jeez. say Quebec, and I'm like, it's Quebec, okay? And they even say it's supposed to be Quebec. Just go with it. But, yes. um, <laughs> but no, I mean, if, if I don't tend to eat a lot of dairy anymore at this point for Good. cholesterol. But I mean, Good. you know, the, uh, occasionally a little sour cream. But I like I stopped eating mm-hmm. cheese for a while there, and I find that cheese doesn't hold the same allure to me anymore. And like, sure. like a Mexican restaurant like that with the guacamole, the fajita veggies, the two different types of beans, the two different types of rice, whatever other crap they have. I think they have like a a stew that's uh, like that's not bad. Like you pour all that mm-hmm. in a burrito, it's great, and you don't miss the dairy. Right, and, and I can I can make a, a very strong recommendation for uh, a brand called Tofuti, which oh, makes great. a yeah makes a fantastic sour cream. Oh my god, yes. Uh, cream cheese isn't too bad too if you're into the cream cheese thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my uh my wife can't do lactose at all, which is part of the reason why I don't have nearly as much dairy in my diet. But we pick right. up like the Tofuti sour cream or the Tofuti cream cheese when she wants some, uh, and yeah. I like. I'm a Jew. Like you got to put the right thing on a bagel right there. Okay. That you is know what? Number one. I, I swear to God, I was going to say that, but I'm glad you did it first. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. But, um, and the tofu stuff, I mean, if you don't tell someone it's not cream cheese, like cream cheese, cream cheese, no one would mm-hmm. know any better because it tastes the same and it's only like a buck more. It's really fucking For sure. And, 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 you know, to be honest, yeah, the, the sour cream does taste different from normal sour cream, but I think it actually tastes a bit better. I don't mind it. Um, I grew up with my mom wanting to use plain yogurt instead of sour cream, which that's an acquired taste. So I don't know where you'd acquire it from, but yeah, I suppose it is. <laughs> you, you gotta get used to it. It's basically, it's like, I want the creaminess of this, but tastes absolutely nothing like anything good. So right. <laughs> yeah, yogurt without yeah. flavor is pretty nank. It's a big no thank you right <laughs> it, it there. Is, it is. But I got used to it because that's what my mom served. And so the Tofuti sour cream, much better than that. Yeah. But it is I, uh, quite I, fine. I live in the Midwest now. I'm a heathen. Like if you uh, <laughs> if if you're in a pinch, you put some ranch on there. You know. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Have we had the ranch conversation before? We have not. I would. I would. No. I would love to have it. It's because we're in we're in food talk now. So. <laughs> right. 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 I think I've I've referred to ketchup as the Nickelback of condiments. <laughs> like it's really popular, and there's no really good reason why because it's not very good. Um, I think ranch dressing is kind of like the train of condiments. Oh, I, you were, yeah. I'm not sure you were nicer, because I was going to say the Eagles. <laughs> the Eagles? Yeah. Not a big fan of the, no, no I, I don't, I, well, I don't I, like the Eagles. The Eagles is that thing, okay, so my reasoning for it is because the Eagles have, I think at this point, literally, the number one album of all time, and it's their greatest hits, which doesn't mm-hmm. even include Hotel California for some fucking reason. Um, That's absurd. Right? It came out before their album with Hotel California, but everyone's like, oh, the Eagles! I want Hotel California! So every motherfucker in the world, apparently, aside from me, and probably you, um, (laughs) bought their greatest hits. So it is, like, when I picked up the factoid about ten years ago, it was within a few thousand of Michael Jackson's Thriller and was still expanding. Mm -hmm. So I have to assume they have the number one album in the world, and it's a greatest hits collection. (laughs) <laughs> it's hardly even fair. No, no. I, I, I'm I'm definitely not a fan of the. I'm, I'm not an Eagles fan. Don't like Don Henley, mm. at, like at all. Really, it's I think he's kind of brick. 
California is the only one of their songs I can stand. Oh, and then the um, the the bit of that song that was repurposed for uh, Hitchhiker's Guide, which the name of it I can't remember, but that is actually an Eagles track. Ah, uh, yeah, that's yeah, it. not not quite I'm not quite sure I know what you're referring to, but uh, go uh, watch yeah. the, go watch the TV show or listen to the radio shows or watch the movie mm-hmm. where the uh opening title comes up and the book floats into view. The song oh. that plays over the Hitchhiker's Guide titles. That is that hmm. particular song. It's Journey of Something or Other, and I can't be bothered to memorize it because fuck the Eagles. That's basically where I stand, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck the Eagles. I don't care if we're talking music or football. Fuck the Eagles. Oh, no, I'm I'm with you on that, too. I lived in Pennsylvania for a little while, and Eagles fans oh. are awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For for the most part, yeah. I, I've known a couple cool ones, but that's that's out of many. It's, I want to say most of them are unsufferable. Yeah, no, it's like they ate way too many cheesesteaks and are just hopped up on that big beef energy. And you're just... They're just... Yeah, they're just rowdy for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> it is. It is. The Patriots fans have a riot because they win. Eagles fans have a riot because it's Tuesday. Like That's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they, they're looking for an excuse to be assholes. And you know what? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't need an excuse. I'm just an asshole. I mean, just, come on. Just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah just, the, just the, commit. Yeah. The Nike <laughs> asshole collection. Just do it. Just be an asshole. Now, I, I do want to comment. I generally agree with you on Nickelback. I think everything from their second album, uh, Silver Side Up On, is trash. However, hmm. I am a defender of their first album. Their first album came out when I was uh, working college radio. And that one is hmm. actually really good because that was before they got famous. That was, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they had an album before that Did too. Uh, yes. They, I'm, I'm trying to remember what the name of the band was before they, they started referring to themselves in Nickelback. Oh, okay. But, so their, yeah. their pre-freshman EP or whatever it was. Yeah. And, and it wasn't too bad. Um, it, like by, by the standards of Nickelback, I mean, yeah. And, and I'm inclined to agree with you. I, I didn't mind the state. State's pretty listen, good. Well, and you can if you get the deluxe edition of the state, you get some tracks that weren't on there and some re-releases and re-recordings, which totally lines up with the thing that they had an EP before then because they're like, here's some crap no one listened to. Let's try selling it again. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, the Todd the, the Todd Howard method of selling music, I guess. Here's let's let's repackage the same thing and keep selling it over and over again. Oh, Seether did the same thing for their first album. I can't remember what the name of it is, but they put out like a deluxe edition with five extra yeah. tracks and one re-record. I'm like, I mean, this is great yeah. now. Yeah. But... Spe- speaking of uh, mid or early 2000s bands that are completely forgotten about now. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, I work, again, I work college radio. My entire collection is mid 2000s bands. No one but me remembers anymore. <laughs> right, right. There was a band from that era that wasn't like all that stuff uh-huh. uh, that a lot of people aren't even familiar with, but that was amazing and is now defunct. And the name of that band is Fair to Midland. I've heard of them. I haven't heard their music. It's pretty good. Like it, it's one of those soft and heavy. Like uh-huh. there's there's piano in it. There's there's some some violin in it occasionally. Yeah. And the lead singer has quite a bit of range. And okay. their music is lyrically solid. It's nice. like the lyrics are powerful. Like they're not simplistic. It's it's good stuff. It's not like Paul McCartney sim- simplistic, uh, but like the beauties and its simplicity, dude. Kind of lyrics. It's it's poetic. There are two bands that I sit on that no one else has ever heard of, but I have their 
only albums because I picked them up while the while they were big for like uh-huh. five minutes. Uh, one yeah. is Dust for Life, which is Dust mm-hmm. Dust Dust for Life. They're they're one of those like mid the late late nineties early two thousands bands that came out after the grunge era, and you can tell they were like influenced by Days of the New and a couple of others, but like heavier yeah. like. Second album, Days of the New, not first album, Days of the New, because different bands. Uh, <laughs> All right. I've Googled Dust for Life. I've got them ready go. to listen to when we're done here. Their first album is pretty good. The one that I love the most uh, is a different band, Isle of Q. They are Isle. they were a bar band out of Pennsylvania. They had one successful album of which one track ended up on, like, it's either the Heavy Metal 2000 or the uh, Blair Witch 2 soundtrack, neither of which is a winner, by the way. Um, that was their big claim to fame, and then the band broke up and faded away. Uh, and this is an this is an interesting uh, yeah. first line I'm seeing in the Amazon review. Sounding like Cheap Tricks, Robin Zander fronting a Trick slash King's X hybrid band. Isle of Q is familiar yet refreshing. They are That's, really good. They have one yeah. of the few albums that I can listen to straight through. Nice. Yeah. Which, I mean, you, you know, bands, they put out five good tracks and they fill the rest of the album with whatever B-sides they had. This For one sure. was, like, all A-sides. It was really good. Um, and yeah, I, at one point, I was, in a Facebook, I was in a Facebook fan group for them, and it was literally 14 people that had heard of them, and one of them was, like, the lead singer. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I can't well, believe this band uh, still has fans! <laughs> I'm learning his name is David Ringler. There you go! <laughs> yeah. Hi, David. If you're listening, <laughs> you've, you've got one fan right here. here. <laughs> yeah, and and one maybe future fan. I yeah. have I've yet to hear your music. I hope you don't suck. My my uh my band, which has yet to do a full performance, but we're gonna record some music for YouTube as soon as we can get back together after COVID. We do a cover of their song "Bag of Tricks," and that's that's my favorite song off of that. Um, my band being named the Inferior Darren. Um, wait, what is your band's called? The Inferior Darren. The inferior Darren. Yep. Is that a is that a reference to the old show uh, Bewitched? Yes, it is. Yeah, amazed I got that. <laughs> the, the, every once in a while, someone actually recognizes the band when I have to talk about it, and the ones that get it, I'm like, "You're cool." <laughs> yeah, it's like well, the only thing the only thing I know about that has multiple Darrens, where yep. you're coming up with an inferior one, would yep. be Bewitched. That'd be the second like, one. The second one. Yeah, was, I think that was a. Uh, Dick Sargent, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, not Dick York. No, 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 no. Dick York was the good one. Then he had a back injury, I believe, and had to leave, and they got an inferior Darren. That's that's my right. band. Because <laughs> every good band name is already taken. I mean, Eagles was wasted on such a shit band. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> I know. It, like, the band is taken. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I know. Like, I, I was thinking of, like... D- dumb ironic band names or album names or whatever I could take and most of the really good ironic ones were there although I still think that the album name of previously untitled has yet to be taken previously untitled previously hmm. untitled oh I guess that would work <laughs> <laughs> that would... album has a name it's... yep <laughs> You know what? It, it used to be that you know in the age of uh, internet 1.0 you couldn't search for the band the the and the ever the. find them <laughs> yeah, like before, before the before Google got a lot smarter with its uh, with its search engine yeah. algorithms, uh, you can now type in the the and it'll give you the band. But back in you know two thousand and one, if you did that, 
you're not getting anything. <laughs> it's just going <laughs> to be like, did you mean literally anything else? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's probably uh, jerks like you who pointed it out to them enough. They're like, well, we'll fucking fix the algorithm already. Damn. <laughs> no, I have enough. I have enough energy to complain about it, but not nearly enough to actually let them know. <laughs> so it wasn't me. It's, but it's, something. It's just a little box <laughs> on the side. You just click with me. It's like, this was not helpful. I'm like, oh, okay. This was not helpful. No. <laughs> I want that button in real life for people. Know, like, right? just press that on them. <laughs> you that talking to you was not helpful. <laughs> Click. People come by my cubicle and tell me stuff. I'm like, this was not helpful, really. Right. So yeah, that's uh, that's my story about searching the the. <laughs> I just did it again, and the first the first result was the wiki article for the band the the. Which is which is amazing. I will like, say when I'm looking up stuff about bands, I I don't go to music websites. I do go to Wikipedia. Like I shouldn't yeah. trust it anymore, but I do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, sure. I mean, I do too. I, I, standards. There's nothing wrong with you know trusting Wikipedia or the the idea that you shouldn't trust Wikipedia is kind of I, no longer as relevant as it once was. Yeah, I mean, they're they're a good first step. If you're writing a paper, don't 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 just do Wikipedia. But no. like, I mean, use the references though. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. But it's like it's the thing of um, like, it's it's good in the way that if you go to a band's website, they're just gonna sell you shit and try and make you buy a t-shirt, and they're just gonna talk themselves up. If you go to Wikipedia, you get every controversy they've ever had. <laughs> right, and that's what you really want to know is yep. wait when when did this guy mouth off about white power? Because yep. I, I definitely want to know about that. <laughs> How many times did the lead singer of Days of the New fire his band because he's a prima donna, hire a new band, and then fire them again? And then go into rehab for heroin addiction yep. again. But you know, I, I'm just I'm putting this out there. All the best music was written on heroin, okay? Like yeah. you don't want well, the people to die, but honestly, most of the time when they get clean, like Aerosmith, for example, their music uh, just isn't as good. Yeah, you know what? I think you know cocaine, LSD, and weed have done just about as much good as as heroin has for influencing good music. Mm -hmm. Like the Beatles. I mean, oh, come on, come on, come on. Not a huge How fan of most of their stuff, but I will say their LSD days have a certain style to them. And it's really good. It's really fucking good. We, you know, man, it's I, I used to not appreciate Paul McCartney as a songwriter, if you believe that, because I always thought Lennon was writing better lyrics. Uh, he had more meaningful shit behind it. Like, but I just watched the Beatles special, the one that's on Disney Plus, and uh -huh. you, you know, I gained a new respect for Paul McCartney and his process and you know, like his his vision yeah. and you know just how genius the way he constructs songs was because he was writing melodies out of out of freaking thin air mm -hmm. he had these ideas that he was able, he's basically the quarterback of the band and, and he was drawing up plays and you know i if i'm if i'm using a sports metaphor here it, you'd look at someone like like john lennon being the uh, the star running back and you've got uh you know ringo as your he he's he's basically like the star defensive player, like maybe your star cornerback. Oh yeah, he's he's, uh, he's a backbone. You can't do much without a drummer. You need a good defense to win a championship, yep. and Ringo is that defense. He he was an underrated drummer, despite being Ringo Starr and being so easily recognizable by name and so spoken of because he's in the Beatles. Yeah, uh, and of course George Harrison is the uh, he's the utility player. He he can do anything. He was the glue. A lot of people recognize that now. 
And it's awesome that they do. Yeah, George is an unsung hero of that band, and he deserves, you know, he's the least known member of the band. Yeah. Well, it's that thing of, I mean, if if Nirvana hadn't broken up because, you know, Kurt Cobain killed mm. himself. I guess it's not really right. broke up, it's just ended. Um, right. But then, like, would Dave Grohl have gone off and been more than just the backbone rhythm section of that band? Like, like it's different with Ringo because Ringo didn't ever, like, start a second band that was nearly as popular. But yeah, the All-Star Band was not as, not as popular. No, no, nothing Ringo did after the Beatles was anything like the Beatles. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. But you take Dave, Dave Grohl has been in about 76 different bands since uh-huh. leaving since leaving the uh he is uh, rock at this point like whether good or ill yeah he is basically oh, good. rock <laughs> good it is definitely good yeah. he's he's an amazing oh, musician he I, he's an awesome guy i always put but, him up at the top of my list for like because he's he's both a decent guy and just an amazing at every single instrument he plays yeah he is he's yeah. like the, the guy is just rock and roll straight yeah. through and, 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 and just a fucking cool cool guy now, Chris Novoselic would be the person you're thinking of if, like, what happened when Nirvana broke up? Like, what's Chris Novoselic been up to? Like, I, I should know. I don't. I don't know. He I played, know he's. He helped on one Foo Fighters album and pretty much mm-hmm. only shows up again. Um, like, like, like a 20 year groundhog. He shows up once in a while when Nirvana's name is mentioned and they shine a spotlight on him. The thing I know most about him is when he flung his bass in the air and hit himself in the head with it. <laughs> That's yeah. the thing I know most about Chris Novoselic, other than he was in Nirvana. And that's not a good thing to be known for. No, no. Funny, but, yeah. but not good. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and bear in mind, I'm in, I'm in the capital of the freaking oh, yeah, Seattle gross. Sound here. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm up here. And, you know, the name still carries a lot of weight. Like, the city's kind of moved on from, from that quite some time. But, you know, there's, there's still a lot of respect on the name, still a lot of respect on Kurt. And Nirvana in general, Chris Cornell, mm-hmm. uh, you know all of the you know, Lane Staley, everyone who's passed, and Andrew Wood, and and that's great because you know we, we recognize our roots. But this the music scene here is completely shifted. Yep. Uh, it's and um, my girlfriend, she's uh, she's in the Phoenix area, and you know what? Their their music scene there, it's you wouldn't think this, but their music scene there is livelier than the one in Seattle. Well. So this is this is something I was going to mention, and then the conversation wandered. But it's that thing of age kills rock and roll. So like, th- there are three things that will kill a bit, kill so- someone's like catalog, and you can you can mark a point where these things happen. One is fame, which mm-hmm. I mean you can directly point to Nickelback. They got famous, and they just they started doing what was most commercially sound, whether their their choice yeah. initially or what their producers wanted, and they went with it. That that yeah. is sellout music right there. Everything for Nickelback past the state. Um, two is they get clean you can directly point to Aerosmith on this like they get clean and then they just don't have the drive in them to write the kind of music that they were writing when they were you know on heroin or coke or whatever it was and I think in that regard it's the in both cases it's the torture like drive and music tend to feed on what what can I sing about what is my trouble what actually drives Mm -hmm. me to because you know most rock is what like breakup tracks or whatever and it works (laughs) but the second you get money and you get clean and you got cash and you've got no troubles what the fuck are you gonna write about anymore most people don't have anything and dave Grohl just apparently is a genius and can write whatever and you're like yeah sing us a song about that church you used to go to man i'll rock out to it 
<laughs> yeah, it's that I, I think, yeah, Aerosmith's a good example of, you know, a band that was once very, very highly thought of and, you know, who was driving the, you know, the very vehicle of rock and roll music yep. just decides, you know what? It's time to start cashing in and, and soundtracking Michael Bay movies. Yep. And, you know, they lost a lot of credibility. I think there's still people who are like, oh, Aerosmith, heck yeah, I want to go see them in concert. You know, people feel that way about Metallica too, but Metallica is not even close to the same band they were even yeah. in the Injustice for All era or even in the Black Album era. Um, I'm a fan of everything from Puppets on Back, but ever since Cliff Burton died, not really much of it is any, it doesn't appeal to me nearly as much. Well, it's, you can it's see not it with me, like Metallica when like Napster came to rise and they were more concerned with the money they were making than the music they were producing. Right. Yeah. Like that's, that's fine. It. Go after people about copyright. I get that. But dude, you look like corporate scum suckers now. Yeah, well, yeah, I never liked Lars. No. Never, ever, ever liked Lars. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought he was kind of a tool. <laughs> and I was right. Speaking of, he, Tool's most yeah. recent album, not great. Ooh, ooh. Would you say not great? Not great. I didn't like their most recent album. Oh, there was, hard disagree. Hard there disagree. Was one but, track but, on there I, I jonesed on, and the rest of it was just slow and plodding versions of like 10,000 Days. Uh, okay. I, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to definitely hard disagree there. Like <laughs> there's only a handful of actual like song songs on yeah. there. And a lot of, you know, there's, there's, you know, interludes or instrumental tracks and so forth, but Numa is amazing. Tempest is amazing. You know, Fear Inoculum is amazing. Like even Chocolate Chip Trip, which is just Danny Carey being Danny Carey is amazing. And when I, I think the 13 year wait, was a little longer than to say that it was worth it, but certainly it's not a disappointment to me. I, I, I got when I got it, when I heard it, the day it came out, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, they're still tool, they're still freaking great, they can still knock it out of the park. I can't wait, you know, for when I turn 67 and their next album comes out, how good that's, <laughs> that's gonna true. be. It will, it will be yeah. that long of a wait. Like, I liked yeah. it better, and I think the three tracks that you missed off were the three that I actually liked and kept in my playlist. Um, sure, but. Like the like it there's that album was still better than the most recent A Perfect Circle album. Like that one was a tedious chore. Oh, uh, I really disconnected from well, that wasn't actually a pun, but yeah. man, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really stopped giving as much of a shit about A Perfect Circle after maybe their third album. I didn't really follow up on it much, uh, but I can say that Myrna Ohm is Myrna is is amazing. From front to back, it is an amazing album. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Meredith Alms. I, I honestly don't know which way you're supposed to pronounce that. Um, yeah, but, that's it. That's that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, like almost all the tracks on that one, I really dug. Thirteenth uh, mm -hmm. Step, their second one, that's a great album as well. And then mm -hmm. the, they did that compilation double pack of A Motion and Emotive, and it was a yeah it was okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it was it was okay. Like it was okay. It, it was it was it was good, but it wasn't like. A Perfect Circle's first two albums, good. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah, they and came out swinging. Their 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 roadie guy that wanted uh, Maynard to be on his band with him, like clearly had a couple like songs or albums worth of tracks he wanted to produce. They did it yeah. um, at different times with different project bands behind them. Like one of the two mm -hmm. albums had a uh, pause of. Um, Tenton. Yeah, no, yeah. she's amazing. Yeah, yeah that was the was first great. album, and her sound was missing from the next one. Um. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. she was. She was probably 
the the person who stood out the most to me on that album aside from maynard as like when when she wasn't on the second album I'm like well why isn't she there yeah. like she was such a cool influence she was such a cool element of, of that band like you weren't getting yeah. it wasn't justin chancellor uh it was it was a completely different sound that still worked with with maynard's voice and his songwriting uh so yeah it was, it was disappointing that she wasn't on that second one i think she's yeah. a fantastic fantastic musician the first one had a very distinctive sound, but the second one sounded more like a uh, Tool cover band that's tried to do their own thing. I think they were a little bit more uh, mainstream rock. I think yep. they were more they were more accessible mm-hmm. form of of Tool, whereas Tool is trying their damnedest to be deep, like they're doing everything in their power to to come off as though there's more to it than just the words and just the music that there's, if you, you could keep looking deeper and deeper, you're going to find more and more, just keep digging. Uh, and I, know, I just fucking quoted the song of the band. I, that's the second time I've done that now. Just keep digging. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I swear this is just unintentional. It's, oh, it's, but, it's fine with me. Um, yeah, but the, the tool, yeah, tools trying, they're trying hard to be deep and it's obvious they're trying hard to be deep and they do it well. They've done it since freaking 92 and, you know, I'll, I'll always love them. I, I think Manor's a fucking prick, but I'll, I think he's a hell of a songwriter. He's a great he, vocalist. He is a hell of a songwriter and he has an amazing set of pipes. I will continue buying yeah. their albums. Don't get me wrong. It's them and Nine yeah. Inch Nails will always get like my, al- like my money, but, um, sure. Yeah, I wasn't I I wasn't as thrilled by this most recent album. Um, liked it better That's though than uh, the last Alice in Chains I listened to. Well, yeah, it's yeah. it's basically Jerry Cantrell yep. taking over. Yep, they um, found they and, found a good guy to, for him to sing with. And don't get me wrong, Jerry Cantrell stuff on his own was actually pretty good. Him back with Alice in Chains though, it feels like he's trying to be Alice in Chains without like Lane. Yeah, without Lane. Yeah, and like, I I like their new stuff like enough, but it certainly isn't. It's it's not the same thing. No, it's not. It, it just it, it just it's lacking. It's you can feel it's lacking. If you can have a cover band with basically almost all of the members of the original band in there, that's mm-hmm. what it feels like. Yeah, and then yeah, the new music they're writing, it's like, it it's it's trying to recapture what the first. Uh, not so much facelift, but definitely they're trying to capture a little bit of dirt, a little bit of uh, they're self-titled, yeah. And it's not really getting there. No, no. It, it's well, and it has this. It's this vibe of, and we're getting back to what we were talking about before. One of the <laughs> things that ruins a band is they like, and I hate to say it, like I actually appreciate that they get clean and they're no longer mm-hmm. on drugs and they're trying to live their best life. So at the very least, they can enjoy what they've done. But, mm-hmm. like, the lead singer didn't want to get clean. That was his whole point. Band broke up because of it, and he went off and, uh, you know, heroined himself to death the way he wanted to. But mm-hmm. while he was on those drugs, he wrote some amazing lyrics. His, he was another one who, his voice, like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a singer. I'm actually yep. taking voice lessons right now. Uh, and, yeah, I, I, can, I can name off vocalists, and I can tell you why they're good and... and you know why I admire what they've done and how I try to incorporate certain things. Like I've, I've covered "Man in the Box." I have a cover of "Man in the Box" that I've sung. Uh, but they, you know, Lane Staley brought something 
with his voice that no one else can can imitate. No one else can bring that that Lane Staley, yeah. that 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 je ne sais quoi that he had to their own voice, and that's yeah. why he was so great because he found him. It was a bit of grit. It was just a little nasally at times, but it still yeah. worked within the confines of the music they were doing. It was a it was a it was a vulner it was an angry, vulnerable, yeah. introspective, uh, growling sadness. Yeah, and desperation. It was just all these emotions rolled into this soap ball of amazing singing mm -hmm. and he just belted and it was oh my god Allison Chains got me through some really shitty times in my, my mid-teens they were they were a big deal to me and it sucked when Lane died it sucked when Kurt died yep. uh, you know, when Chris Cornell died recently that that hit me like I was pretty sad when I, when I heard about that because he was another one for that whole era if you're talking about like just solid solid vocalists like Chris Cornell was amazing he, he was, was so good when he was doing like material with a group i watched him uh i caught a solo performance of him for mm -hmm. some concert series or another i can't remember who was open who opened for him but oh yeah. i remember it was uh chevelle breaking benjamin and chris cornell and nice not only did chevelle absolutely destroy that stage oh my god i love chevelle that is a band to watch right there. They have even like being the opening act for that with like mm -hmm. shitty ass stage that and the sound <laughs> equipment. You know how it is for opening acts. The sound isn't even yeah. like set up properly for them. You know they mm -hmm. still fucking rocked that show and breaking. Some Midwestern boys, man. Those are some Midwestern boys right there. Those They're are still really guys good. from Chicago. There's, that's another amazing. band I will buy every album for because they fucking rock. Chappelle, um, yeah, Chappelle, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Breaking Benjamin, like their their performance was pretty good too. They didn't have quite the energy Chevelle, but like that mm. was still in their when they had their first couple of albums out, and they were really like riding high on that. Some good music there, and then Chris Cornell came out, and it was just him on a stool playing, and I'm like, this has no energy, dude. You you didn't bring it. Sorry, he wasn't dude. well. He I think the problem was that the the bands he's following were were playing fucking hard rock yeah if he was coming out there playing you know soulful ballads on a, an acoustic guitar it's not the right time it's not the right audience like you're chris cornell that's cool we'll give you a shot but if you're bringing a totally different vibe and it's clashing with what everybody else has set up for you yeah don't expect that to to work no he needed to be there with audio slave or with like the reformed mm -hmm. sound garden or something him on his own it was mm -hmm. even with a backing band. It was it was not good, and I think he opened with his really sedate cover of uh, Billy Jean, and uh, it was just bad. Oh wow! Yeah, I wouldn't open with that. It was a that's, bad. It's a bad time. That's a that's a mid set song. If yeah. anything, <laughs> that's yeah. The that's only person that's I could open with that was Michael Jackson. Guys, come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You could you could move the freaking crowd if you're Michael Jackson exactly. opening with Billy Jean. You can't do it if you're Chris Cornell. He'd, he'd literally lie up the stage through sheer force of will just walking on it. It wouldn't even be an effect they planned. He'd just do it because that was what Michael yeah. Jackson would do. And that's, yeah, and we can go in, like, we can go into great detail about why Michael Jackson is probably the greatest performer mm -hmm. who has ever lived. He, well, he was a perfectionist. I mean, you give him credit, like, good or ill again, because, mm -hmm. like, it drove him crazy in his later albums. But 
he was very much a perfectionist. When Thriller mm-hmm. blew up as big as it did, because he put in the work, he wanted Bad to be even bigger. Which, yes. I mean, when you sell, what, 14, 16, 18 million copies the first year it's out, that's a goalpost I don't think anyone could achieve a second time. Let's just, mm-hmm. like, 14 times platinum is maybe a little much to aspire to on every album, dude. But Yeah, but, but he still managed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, musically... Bad, I think, is the better album. It didn't have the sales behind mm-hmm. it, but it was musically the better album. Like, And they're both good. But mm-hmm. the fact that it didn't do as well drove him a little crazy, and then he really just went off the deep end. Like, mm-hmm. like mentally, you could tell. Um, but when yeah. he brought it, he brought it hard. Yeah, and yeah. it was just—it's just years, years of repressing. Yep. Lot, obviously, lots of so abuse and lot, lots of yeah. lost childhood. Um, I won't make any excuses for what he did or did not do or allegedly no. did. No, no, no. Uh, obviously, if he did the things that he has been accused of doing, then Which he's a piece of shit. questionable about that with the evidence that's come out later on and all that. But, mm-hmm. like, I mean, right. like, you, you, don't, you also don't want to, like, victim blame or anything. So, like, it, no. it's best no, to no, just no. be like, this could have happened. We're not condoning that. His first, right. his, his second and third albums, though, were really good. Yeah, it's like, we know what R. Kelly did. Oh God! We can we can we can write him off can, yeah. entirely without without a without batting an eye. Like he, yeah. we could have done that back when Aaliyah was with him yeah. at, at fourteen years old. I'm willing to write him off entirely. <laughs> I, I I have no apprehension about it at all. No, uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 harder with Michael Jackson, especially when like you don't know with him like mm-hmm. how much of it like really happened. How much of it was him just being a completely clueless adult who's in his head still basically mentally a child because of the way he. Ha- there was so much yeah. bullshit around that. Yeah, but oh. it, it's it, it's hard it's hard to say that R. Kelly was anything less than a pedo, anything yeah. less than a than a than a freaking statutory rapist. Yeah. Like if you if you're if you're dating a fourteen year old, I don't even call it dating. It's not dating. It's you not. can't you can't consent at fourteen, dude. Like that's even in Alabama where it's legal, you can't. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. It's and, it, it's it's wrong. It is. It's wrong. completely wrong. So, and then you take Marilyn Manson. Writing him off entirely. Oh, yeah. Well, okay, I'm going to be honest with you. As much as I love uh, mid to late uh, 90s rock, and I will own just about, like, every band that's there that's good, um, Mm -hmm. Marilyn Manson never thrilled me. He, I know, I knew a lot of people that were goth and heavy metal and were really into him, Mm -hmm. and he always struck me as a poser. Well, he he was. I mean, he he was, in, in the same respect that Kiss, Oh yeah. It was about their image, about their brand oh, yeah. and, and and the feel. Uh Marilyn Manson very much the same thing where he he's he's comparison. he's selling yeah, he's selling a, an image. Yeah. Uh oh, and it worked. It worked for a it long worked. time, but you go back yeah. and you listen to his stuff and you're simply going, This is really empty and hollow, which honestly is mm-hmm. how I feel about KISS as well. Oh, I hate KISS. Yeah. I hate Gene Simmons especially. I think he's he's an absolute freaking douchebag. He is. He yeah. really is. I'm glad we can agree. It does, does not represent your tribe well, man. Not at all. Not <laughs> I, at all. I don't even remember that he's Jewish. So <laughs> his, 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 his given name is Chaim Witz. What wow, do you that think? that is Jewish. And no, he's yeah. terrible. So. <laughs> he is terrib- he's a terrible human being. <laughs> he can go right to hell. Yeah. He, so, uh, but yeah, no, yeah, Marilyn but, Manson, that, and that's one of those ones where I'm sitting there going, Ugh. like, you could, like, not only was he a poser, you could always tell he was kind of weird and sketchy to begin with. Um, yes. But then you hear the stories, and it's like, Ugh, yeah, no, yes. dude, no. We we need to never. It's like with Mel Gibson. I wish Mel Gibson had stayed away. We never. We need to never see you 
again. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't, Mel, Mel Gibson, I don't know how he still manages to pull money. Pisses me off. Like, it, the fact it's... that studios keep letting him have projects. Like, he, he won an Academy yeah. Award for a film he directed a couple years ago, Hacksaw Ridge. And I'm sitting there going, yeah. okay, one, he should never have been allowed to be nominated. Two, he should not have gotten the award. And three, no studio should have let him direct the movie to begin with. No mm -hmm. one. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, to, to, to bring up the topic of Judaism one more time here, <laughs> if you think Jews run Hollywood, explain Mel Gibson getting right. work. Right, yeah. Okay, there if, you we, go. If, the, if the Jewish people in general really could have a secret cabal that ran the world, Mel mm -hmm. Gibson would have been run off to Mars by now, okay? Absolutely would have been. Absolutely. Yes. And the Martians mm -hmm. would have kicked him out too because they don't want him either. <laughs> exactly right. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that we're, we, we kind of like, I think we're from where, wait, where are you from originally? Are, you're not from where you're at now. No, I'm from Virginia. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say like I'm, you know, born and raised Midwest. Like you're in Midwest now. Uh, my and we, our tastes are kind of in line, I think, with with most stuff, especially music. So, yep. yeah, I find that interesting. Well, it's, like, it's mine is because I like I didn't. So my parents didn't really listen to music much when I grew up. So it was kind of right. this thing of like, what do I like bond with on my own? So I bonded mm -hmm. to um, game music. I love game music. And that kind of grew out to an extension yeah. of like techno and other stuff because they all have the same kind of beats, you know? Sure, sure. Um, and then later in life, after I briefly flirted with pop music because that was what was popular in the early 90s. Um, yeah. I like a friend of mine played Nine Inch Nails, The Downward Spiral for me. And that was pretty much my mm -hmm. gateway drug. And that and then working yeah. at a radio station in college, rock mm -hmm. is my other genre. For sure. For yeah. sure. No, video game music is certainly where I got into the uh, music appreciation. Like, I, I didn't even know I liked it. And then, you know, I, then I realized why I liked playing Mega Man 2 as much as I did. It wasn't so much the game. It was that... The music made me feel good. Jams. I yeah. loved listening to the music in the game. And I, I think when I finally realized that, then I started being a lot less, you know, embarrassed about being into that kind of music. Yeah. You know, as a, as a, you know, as a kid, like, no, this is, this is good. This is really cool. Like, and then, and then going online and seeing that the internet it's 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 opening up to the fact that there is actually a, an audience for this. There's people who appreciate it the same way I appreciate it. There's people covering this stuff, and man, it, it's it was one of the greatest discoveries I made uh, with access to the internet. Is that I I share this preference, I share this this passion with yeah. other people for for video game music. Yeah, um, one of the uh, the yeah. the reason why I have like days and days of music on my computer at this point is primarily because of Overclock Remix and yeah, Oh I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I lived on OCR. I oh, lived yeah, yeah, on no. I, I go in there like every 6 months and I see what new stuff they have from games that I like and I download everything. Um mm -hmm. and then I move on and I rate yeah. it all and I have it in my playlist and I have a, a fuck ton of music. Um, and I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of it's, you know, Chrono Trigger and Castlevania, because those are my favorites. Um, well, sure, of course. for some reason, I hang out on a Final Fantasy Discord most of the day. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, what the hell, right? It's... I know, right? Well, the, uh, at the time, randomizers for Castlevania weren't out, and now you guys have your claws in me, and I can't escape. 
So Yep. That's correct. You ain't going anywhere, son. No. No one will ever let me leave now. I run too much yeah. of that place. And now I'm just now I'm just kind of sitting back uh on the FFR thing. Like I'm you know, passively participating as I have been for a while. Yep. And now I'm on Dark Souls three and it's gonna take a long time to get me off that. Oh, I feel that. I there there are certain games that just you, you, you always get sucked in and there's not you, not much you can do about it. I, I mean, yeah. I'm not a Dark Souls person. I, I'm bad at video games. Um, <laughs> but everyone's, and it's not the same kind of game at all, I will admit this, but every once in a while I feel that pull of Stardew Valley and I'm like, I've already played through this game three times. Why am I playing it again as I'm clicking around Garethrin crops? Well, it's satisfying. Like, it a game is. like that is satisfying because, you know, you can you know what you're getting like you get like the progress that you get there's a satisfaction there's a there's a dopamine hit with each mm-hmm. you know each task you fulfill yep. in a game like stardew valley where you know something like dark souls the the, the joy in it is overcoming a the seemingly progress. insurmountable fucking yep. difficult yep. problem oh, I mean, and, and, and i think that's the, the joy of like a randomizer as well it's mm-hmm. like because the game changes every time you play it because of the joy of a randomizer. Um, That's right. You get that dopamine hit every time. Yeah, sure. I'm still like playing Final Fantasy One on the NES, but the right. game is different, and there's a new joy of exploration. When I finally get through that damn end dungeon with a chaos that wants to nuke me twice in a row, there's satisfaction <laughs> there. There is. Yeah, yeah. and and I, th- I think the the joy that I get out of that game is is when I I crank up the dial to you know kick me in the balls 500 more times and that's that's the way i like playing it not everyone's like that very few people in (laughs) fact are most people want to go fast they want to they want a faster game they want to you know take their fighter comp party all you know four four person party cruise the game as quickly as possible whereas i'm like no 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 make this tough (laughs) give 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 me a challenge to overcome make you know Give me imps with nuke. Give me give me chaos with max evasion. Cure four. Let me figure this out. And if I can get through this with one thief, I get through this with a single character. It's it's just demonstrating that I'm you know I'm willing and able to get through that and you know overcome that challenge. I'm not racing anyone. I'm trying to survive. And that's what Dark Souls is. So everyone's recommended Dark Souls to me. Like this is the, this is exactly the kind of game you would want to play. Well, I'm like all right. All right, never got around to it, and finally I have. There you go. And and they were right. (laughs) I like a game like I don't mind the bit of challenge. Challenge makes a game interesting, but I like a game more where the joy is in the exploration and just kind of losing yourself for a while in the experience Mm of it. Um, Yeah, Breath of the Wild is the perfect game for me, honestly. Zelda Zelda games have always been about the exploration. That's but, I think that's the the biggest appeal of that type of game is is, is, is. is exploration. But like the, they kind of lost that thread, like to a certain extent, around um, Link to the Past, which is a fantastic game. It's it's still my favorite one. But that game was mm-hmm. very guided in what you were supposed to do. Like you know where the dungeons are. There's no trying to find them like there was in the first two games. Um, right. And they started holding your hand more and more. Uh, the best that you can say in Breath of the Wild is yeah, you know where the four dungeons are. But you don't know how you're going to get there. You don't know what else is along the path. You don't know what other secrets are around. And fuck, if you don't want to do any of it, you don't have to. I spent, like, the game is like, okay, so the first thing you're going to want to do now that you've gotten off this mountaintop and have the abilities to explore anywhere is you want to go over here and do this. Uh, Go to Kakariko Village, talk to these people. They can get you on your way. That's all the guidance the game says. I'm like, that's over here to the east. 
okay, fuck it, I'm going to the West, and I was just gone for 60 hours. <laughs> <laughs> and that, yeah, that's that's the joy of it, if, when yep. the game lets you do that. Yep, oh, that, that's, like... that's the brilliance of that one. I know it's an open-world game, and it has comparable things to other ones, but that game mm-hmm. is so hands-off that mm-hmm. you're just like, I, I could lose myself for 100 hours, and I'd never even realize it. Mm-hmm. And you can say, take a game like Final Fantasy where you can see the open worldness of it at, over the years getting more and more linear. Yep. Final like, Fantasy you, 13's a straight path. That's uh, Final Fantasy hallway. Yep. Yep. For like, what is it? What is it? 20 hours of a straight hallway and then the last eight hours you finally get to explore the world? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. ridiculous. That's not, Final, that's not Final Fantasy. No, I mean, you yeah. got random encounters, and you got classes, and you got some stuff, but it doesn't really feel like the series we know. No, and 10 had a lot of exploration in it. 10 still allowed you to, but it was still basically a straight line. Like, yep. it, it, you were going back and forth on that line, but and, and you had a lot of stuff you could do. But, yeah, as the series went on, it became more and more like that, more and yep. more linear. And I don't, I don't know why, because people love that about Final Fantasy, being able to go where you want do play the game the way you want to play it to get to you know the same ending well they they did, get... they did try opening up like their rpg square did with um octopath traveler mm-hmm. and that's a fun game the problem i had with that game is it's so open world that the stories don't really have connect between them because it's both very plot driven which isn't like breath of the wild at all but also open so you could do the missions in any order and do whatever you want, but because of that, the game doesn't know what characters you're going to have with you, can't have them be interactive with the main story that's going on, and mm-hmm. like none of the characters can do anything so world-shattering on their plotline that it breaks them traveling with the rest of the group. So it's like, while you're, tra- you're on this big quest to help each of these characters, the stakes are so low that mm-hmm. none of like I didn't finish the game because it felt like nothing I was doing really deeply mattered. Right. Yeah. You, you need that. You need that sense of purpose yeah. in, in a game. Like, are the things that I'm doing actually mattering in the grand scheme? Worth like, are these, yeah. these people I'm meeting, these people I'm, I'm connecting with, these characters I'm connecting with, uh, people I'm adding to my party, are is this is there value in this? Am I mm-hmm. getting anything out of it? And yeah, no. Like, yeah. there was a game called Paladin's Quest on SNES. I don't know if you've played it. I've heard of it. I haven't played it. Yeah, but I got a similar feel. Like they tried. It's an it's an Enix game. Uh, they they tried to add value, like having different characters in your party. You know, they all had different attributes and stuff. Yeah. But it still felt like plug you know plug in whoever like these universal plug and play characters. It didn't really matter yeah. necessarily, and and the and the storyline was not fantastic. It wasn't terrible, but yeah. you'd expect more from from a from a JRPG. Uh, game maker that's been around as long as they have. I think that's what but, drew me to Chrono Trigger so much, and why oh, I didn't like Chrono Cross at all. Is, right, right, right. Like the seven characters, the game was written specifically so that no matter who you had in the party, and it was—I mean, it was—it's—it's it's a fairly linear game for what it is, mm-hmm. right until like the last sure. hour when it finally opens up. But yeah, th- they put so much emphasis on the characters that no matter who you played with, and you want to experiment with them, play it different ways. The, the, like each of them had story beats that influenced the main story and it was written mm-hmm. knowing that you could have anyone in your party but they all mattered if like yes. seven characters that were very important you go and play Chrono Cross with 44 characters none of them <laughs> mattered at right. all yeah you overdid it 
yeah. and there's about the same number. Like uh, I think Paladin's Quest has it's got dozens and dozens of characters in it. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, uh, I think it was like somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's and then you take a game like you know Final Fantasy VI, which has I think fourteen characters 14 in it. Sounds right. It's and it's it, it's approaching that point where it's like I think there's just a few too many characters. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, maybe, that was maybe... one of my big issues with it. Like I really liked Final Fantasy IV because mm-hmm. the way the linear story worked, they swapped in the characters regularly enough that pretty much every character got their time to shine, except for Edward. He sucked. Um, well, and, of course. Yeah. Oh, he was terrible. And he like you could tell he was terrible because they were like, we could bring him back. No, we're not bringing him back. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have an entire yeah. another ten hours to this game. We're not even going to bother bringing Edward back. No, um, no, no, no. Nobody wants him. No. Nobody needs him. He's not Shouldn't adding anything to this. But like, aside yeah. from Edward, all the characters have good moments. If they die, which they reverse all the deaths, but it's fine. If they oh, die, yeah. they at least die in a way that it feels heroic. Final Fantasy V only had five characters total, uh, one of which does die. Spoiler for a thirty-year-old mm-hmm. game. Um, but that, like, all of it mattered, and the story was very key to them. With um, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VI, yeah, there were some plot lines that were very specific to the characters, and you had to use certain people. But a lot of the time, only one or two characters mattered, and the rest of them were just interchangeable and didn't really even add dialogue. Right. Yeah. And that lost me because I didn't care about what was going on because most of the time it didn't matter. Yeah, and and the thing about six, despite it being a game I love, one of my absolute favorite games of all time, it's that you get late enough into the game and it really doesn't matter what yeah. character you're using. Like they can all do pretty much the same thing. Yeah, yeah. The it's way that just, game is designed, they really can. <laughs> yeah, anybody can do anything. And well, the same thing with ten as well. Like you, with the sphere grid. You can make anybody anything. Like you can make a uh, freaking Uno warrior. You can make uh, you know Waka freaking mage. Yep. Like it, there, you shouldn't. You shouldn't do that, but you can. <laughs> I mean, that, it's the same. Like Final Fantasy VI felt like an extension of what they were doing in Final Fantasy V. Um, mm-hmm. With five in the classes, you could make anyone be anything. And yeah, some of them were better at certain things, but right. you always only had four characters in your party, and you never could change that. The one right. who dies immediately gets replaced by his granddaughter. So it's still the same mm-hmm. mechanic. So, yeah. yes, they all can do certain things, but you're never not playing with... They're never not consequential to the game. But with exactly. six, because of the relics and gear that you get, any and the fact that anyone can learn any spell they have equipped from the... Yeah, the Esperance. Materia, but the same fucking thing. Esperance. Yeah, Esper, it's Esper, the same Esper. fucking thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, I mean, let's let's be honest. Seven has this problem, too. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, you could switch. You, like, you could say, okay, I want uh, this thief guy to now be a dragoon with um, healing magic, and the game's mm-hmm. like, okay, okay, cool, like, yeah. sure, <laughs> yep, go, go, give him the natural ability to do jumps and put a spear in his hand, and suddenly you have a dragoon. Yeah, I guess you did it. <laughs> Kane is locked. Lock is Kane. Yeah, like okay, you did this. Um, good, good, good job. <laughs> And it doesn't, it doesn't, it neither rewards you nor penalizes you for it nope. at all. Nope. Uh, nope. If you want nope. to spend the time and grind any character any way you want, you can. And Seven, mm-hmm. Seven had that issue too, although I did like the Materia system in its own way because it was more limiting. It mm-hmm. still had that thing of, well, I guess I can make anyone do anything if I really want to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is, this is where, you know, I don't know if you've played it or not. This is where I will always champion Mass Effect, my absolute favorite right. series of all time. It. But that's, that's, yeah. that's me. Well, here's the appreciation that I think you'd have for it. It's uh-huh. with character development. Every single character has their own 
story. Yeah. And, and not only that, if you take them with you, everybody reacts differently to the same thing and everybody influences everybody differently in terms of dialogue. It, it, it changes the story to take different people with you, which gives it replayability. It gives it a story depth. Uh, you, you actually get attached to these characters. They start to feel like family after a while. It's really amazing. Like, one of the games that I love the best, and I wish would have done this more, was Borderlands, the first two of them. Yeah, Bor- yeah, yeah. Borderlands seemed a little simplistic to it me. Did. It seemed like, like, yeah. It's all the characters around the hero are great and rich and have mm. a lot of stuff. I didn't care for the third game. The third game bored me. But the first mm. two, they did enough character building of everyone around the main heroes that it got interesting. Um, Borderlands could have benefited from having the four characters be a little different in their story, like slightly different character missions, or like mm-hmm. having the game be able to react to you in such a way that it knew you were playing co-op and each of your characters was different or the same or whatever. The game right. was written for a solo experience that just tacked on extra people. That's a weakness. But yeah. because what's going on around your character is so rich and there's so much to do, I kind of didn't care. That's fair. It's it never really. I, I played it for a bit. I played the first Borderlands for a bit, and I'm like, <sighs> it's slow. Uh, how, how many times? Slow. How many times am I gonna keep killing the same looking yeah. dude? No, yeah. The the, the like, first game is slow, and I'm not gonna deny. Like the it, that doesn't open up until the midpoint, and you gotta. A lot of people had to fight to get to that midpoint, and if you weren't willing to put in that effort, I can't blame right. you for that. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It just wasn't satisfying. I get you. I liked it. My wife liked it. We played the shit out of it for a while. Um, sure. But, I, know, I know a lot of people really did. Yeah. And I just, I didn't see why, but I, but you know, you I can, can respect. tell that the simplicity of it eventually leaked through because she and I couldn't get through the pre-sequel that they did, nor the third game. And we're just like, I think we're borderlands out now. Like, you didn't mm-hmm. evolve. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and, and I, I don't feel like I'm missing out. No. I, I mean, can tell like that, you on I that. I just don't. No. I mean, if I've, you want I've, a good, like, loot-playing game, you got, like, the first couple Diablos to do, or something like that, if you can get them cheap and not give any money to Blizzard, because fuck Blizzard, but... Because fuck Blizzard, yeah, exactly. Blizzard. Yeah. Yes. Very, very <laughs> much, very much so. Yes. Fuck uh, Activision. Fuck Bobby Kotick. He's, he's, an, he's a scumbag. Yeah. He's, oh, a little, God, he's, yeah. a little, he's a little goblin bastard. He's been a scumbag <laughs> for 20 years. Like, everyone's like, oh, I can't believe he was such a scumbag this whole time. Like... Were you not paying attention to everything? He's always been a scumbag. He, yeah, he he looks like a goblin. He, like he, yeah. he like if if you watch Harry Potter, like he looks like one of the goblins from Harry Potter. <laughs> For real, he does. Yeah, he does. Which, <laughs> which, no, but like, like without the 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 ears and the nose that make them look like racist caricatures. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's but he's got this Brick short. Brick. He he just looks he looks shifty. Because yeah, he is and all that, you know. <laughs> oh no, I yeah, no, you're right. No, that and I, I believe me, I noticed that. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I absolutely I will say, did. I didn't notice it at the start, but when like there that whole thing with John Stewart and everything came out recently, because you, you know sometimes you just kind of shut your brain off and pay attention to a kids movie. And I will not deny the fact that the first Harry Potter movie is so tedious. I checked out like within. The <laughs> Christopher Christopher Columbus did some good work on Home Alone, the first one. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much the only movie he's done that I actually enjoyed. And mm-hmm. he's bad at other movies. Like the, his, Harry, his Harry Potter yeah. movies are slavish, as were his two um, Percy Jackson movies. And I just didn't like them. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. He did do those. I saw yeah. the first one and I didn't care for it, it which okay. is probably why I didn't see the second one. Yeah. It was okay for what it was. The second one is trash. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think when they got, uh, I think it was Quaron for... Yeah. Uh, Alfonso Quaron for the third one. Oh my God, his Harry Potter is brilliant. It was really good. Oh God, it was yes. really good. Yeah, it I was like, it. it felt like night and day to the two Christopher Columbus movies. And I was sitting there going, could you keep him around for all the rest of me? He's like, nah, dude, says, I'm good. I'm going to go do Gravity now. <laughs> <laughs> they could have kept Oldman. Or they could have, like, but I mean, I get why they didn't. But yeah, like, yeah. you got you got Gary Oldman to do. Like, like I, I've, I've heard stuff come out about him recently, too. So that's, and that's really disappointing because oh. he's one of my favorite actors of all time. And now it's like, do I have to hate him, too? I haven't heard oh. enough about it yet to actually pay attention, but I mean, that's, yeah. there yeah. are a lot of, like, um, I was never a huge Sean Connery fan, but he, like, oh, hearing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. hearing he was a giant wife beater, I'm like, well, now I can't have anything beyond the James Bond movies that ended up in my collection. Well, Thank Sean an unap- Connery. An unapologetic one. Of yeah. Unapologetic. Like, no, yeah. They, like, that was the worst part. Yeah. Every once in a while, you know, give her a smack. Like, no, dude, no, no, that's no. not how things work, dude. No. <laughs> damn it. He's like, oh, it's really good for the marriage. Really? Is it though? It's, Maybe no, I think you're wrong. I think, no, no, it's not it's not no. good for it's not good for any kind of human relationship to no. beat the other person. No, that's no. <laughs> so yeah, and I and I'm glad that you know, I think you know, we can be, you know, two white guys, you know, going back and forth about uh women. But I can say that I think things I'm happy to see things are starting to come out to the light now. And I think women are feeling a lot more uh, open to talking about the shitty things that men do and the shitty, shitty ways that things are that are that are very much uh, tilted toward men. And I agree with it. Uh, I And I know there's you can generally tell if a guy disagrees or he thinks you're overreacting or he thinks you're full of shit. It's because he's part of the problem. Yep. It's because they don't want they don't want that status quo to be shaken in any way, and it's yeah. like, no. Well, here's here's the thing: it, it's beneficial to everybody if there actually is equal treatment. If if we're not, you know, the quote unquote superior gender, if we're not the ones who are, you know, supposedly running everything, or not, by the way, <laughs> uh, then it's you know sharing that responsibility sharing that load lending more credence to the the perspective that you know non cisgendered heterosexual white men have is just going to improve literally every human condition we've got and they don't see that they don't they don't see the inherent value in that and they like having this illusion of power that they've got so they just keep perpetuating the same bullshit you know, they perpetuate it in media. They perpetuate it in their attitudes among other men. You've heard it and I've heard it. We, we know what this looks like. We know what it sounds like. Yep. And it, it just, it needs to be stamped out. And I think it's starting to be a little bit more, uh, how, how do I put this? Hollywood went hmm? through it for a bit. And I'm not sure it made as big of changes as people would like, but it made some changes. The video yeah. game industry is fighting it tooth and nail now, and that's sad to see. The The video game industry has been and will remain fucking sexist. It's it's a sausage fest, and it's so sad. Like, yeah. I, I, I try and support, like, indie women gamers when they put out some stuff. and everything. There was a... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have a like, picture with Zoe Quinn, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Like I try, no. I try and do that every chance I get because you want yeah. to support those people. And 
Like, sure. I don't buy Ubisoft now. I don't buy yeah. Activision. I don't buy Steam, mm-hmm. which is hard because, you know, the really big games are coming out from there. Uh, I feel dirty if, like, it comes out of Konami that they're, like, super... I mean, they're Japanese. They're super repressed anyway, but... Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, yeah. I hear some crap about that. I'm like, oh my god, what does that mean for me in the Castlevania series? Well, e- Thankfully, even, they haven't made anything in a while, so. Even, even you know, like I said, my favorite series being Mass Effect. Like, even that, you're going to see pandering shit. You're yes. going to see, like, very, very pandery, uh, like, fan service shit. Like, they take under shots of Miranda's ass, which is fucking pathetic. I, yeah. I well, The very first time I saw it, I'm like, really? Like, seriously like i didn't even have as much of a a a militant attitude as i do now and even then i was like come on dude i mean come on the the, the number of times stories came out about all the gay storylines they cut out because their weedy boy uh game buyers would not yeah i'm like but you have it doesn't matter they're not going to play that storyline anyway so why edit it out for right oh my god yeah let you know let people ex- let people ex- people experience the types of relationships they want to pursue like if, yeah. if you're opening that door to having you know like a, ma- a male chef get involved with you know one of the male crew members you know romantically it's all done really like really tastefully really interestingly and it, it's it's not just dumb bullshit like yeah. these the characters you can see where the connection happens and it's it's really natural really well told stories so if they're if they're trying to fight against that it's it's because they're insecure mm-hmm. yeah yeah and yeah cats brought up cats brought up the idea of that, that game also having like decorative women like you know like like the dancers in it and you know, it's this sorry get used for that a lot mm. that's that's the 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 blue race like they they get used for that a lot um and it didn't have to yeah. it, that it didn't have to be that way because there's there's so much like there's so much equality in the game us like independent of that like they like they don't really treat men and women differently except for that and 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 that bothers me this does bring me back to actually to of all things stardew valley and just the fact mm-hmm. that and that that game has like the dating sim aspect slapped on top because you know it's harvest moon but by a different co- group basically um right. and that's the thing i kind of appreciated there is like you can play either gender in that game and uh of of the two main ones i mean we don't i don't want to get into a long conversation about like all the other genders that people ascribe well, to and i'm not sex versus sex versus gender let's exactly, just move on yeah, that's, i'm not, that's, gonna, I'm not yeah. gonna do any of like i support all that i'm not like saying anything there uh i mean they're they, the, the, they're using guy and the girl symbol in the game itself so i'm just using mm-hmm. that but i mean right that's that's how that's one of those things that's easy to ignore or whatever because mm-hmm. the game then lets you apply whatever dress and hairstyle or whatever else you want to your yeah, yeah so Sure, and the game sure. doesn't the game doesn't say anything to you really about it most of the time anyway. Uh, but I appreciate mm-hmm. the fact that the characters in the town that you can woo don't react to you differently, whatever gender you choose, and mm-hmm. they have their own full storylines for you to explore whatever you do. So the game is just written from a neutral perspective for you to just right. explore it as you see fit. And mm-hmm. games that do that, I like, are more rewarding to me in that regard. The other. Mm-hmm. Other game I really liked was uh, recently was Unpacking. I don't know if you've heard of that one. No, Unpacking. No, I've never Unpacking. heard of it. It's it's basically a puzzle game, but not really puzzly. It's and basically you you follow this girl without actually meeting the girl ever and unpack her various rooms through her life. 
Uh, mm-hmm. So you start off in her first her first bedroom on her own as a kid, and then you like move her off to college, and then into her first apartment with some other girls and so forth. But the perspective on it is you're just like moving crap around the apartment, and you never see anyone. But mm-hmm. you experience a whole story in that game just from that, and like you meet you you get to see the people she dates and other stuff, and it never takes a perspective on anything. But it does create a rewarding thing in there just by you seeing what she carries from one portion of her life to the next. Sure. Yeah, so. and that's that's really good. that's really interesting storytelling. I like that. Yeah, that was it was really interesting to me. So. And if 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 you wanted to talk about like uh, like androgynous character um, inclusion, Undertale does this. Undertale and and Deltarune, uh, mm-hmm. the main character is genderless like it, it, it doesn't matter like yeah. you you can you can associate them with me, with male you can associate them with female non-binary whatever you want no no and the character and the character's name in in delta rune is chris k-r-i-s <laughs> which is completely <laughs> yeah yep. completely gender neutral uh and, and that's cool because it's like take that element out like you can you can superimpose yourself onto this character any way you see fit no, no matter who you are like it's even even race isn't really necessarily implied with yeah. these characters like yeah so that, that it's really cool well that was something i tried to do with the rpg i wrote was like the the spot on the sheet where we have gender on it is just a blank and you just write mm-hmm. in whatever you want because i'm like honestly it's how you play the character that matters to the game not like what you write what word you write here yes so that's fair your, your your RPG is a tabletop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. <laughs> the, the the shameless self promotion. There's a game in this book available online now. <laughs> I really need to go back and write the next edition of that. I just haven't. Mm-hmm. Artist troubles. I got into it and then I didn't like the art style I was doing and because the art style is so associated to the text in my like the vision has to be together. If I don't drive mm-hmm. on one, I can't do the book. So that totally makes sense. Yeah. No, it's you're creating a feel. You're creating a universe. You yep. you want to have everything congruent. Got to get the vibe. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, yeah. we've been going for over an hour of just we have. shooting the shit. <laughs> yeah. So we sure we, we sure have. <laughs> we probably should ra- ra- start wrapping up at this point, though. But did you have yeah. anything else you want to talk about that maybe wasn't a political soapbox to end it on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've managed to avoid the majority of that until I started to get into feminism and equality. <laughs> and that's that's pretty much where we went off. Oh, we went off the entertainment end with feminism. Wow. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. We we discussed a lot of media, and I think yeah. that actually plays very heavily into it when you're talking about how how think how people are represented like yeah. media is about people telling stories about people about themselves and you know the way that people are characterized in media is going to imprint on society it's going mm-hmm. that zeitgeist is going to imprint upon people so it's important that you know when they say representation matters it fucking does it absolutely yep. does because influenceable people which is you know, literally anybody yeah, in, in varying degrees, are going to take something from how they think society views them, and their attitudes are shaped by that. So, if women grow up thinking that they need to be servile, they need to be, you know, pretty, they need to be thin, they need to be dumb, like they're they don't necessarily think that, but they intuitively put themselves into that mold. 
and it's it's shitty that that's what happens but that's that's how easily influenced people are especially at a younger age especially when they're in moments of weakness so yep. media has that power so it is important that you know there there is representation that we see you know strong female lead characters who are not just you know strong female lead characters yeah they're they are you know full human beings or full people uh just like a male lead character would be or when you're hearing you know music through the lens of a woman a woman telling her story uh all these things like video games where the lead character can be female like these things do matter and having that representation makes it so that it's this seven year eight year old girl this seven or eight year old you know let's say indian girl or black girl can pick up this game and not feel alienated they can listen to this this music and not feel alienated feel like you know i i connect with this 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 is speaking to me in some way whereas you know you and i pretty much all of all of culture all of media speaks to us we we have no lack of accessible material to draw from like all the angry rock all you know even rap like it's it wasn't even for us but we can still like that we can tap into that anger and still you know feel it and and you know we have that privilege and most people who don't look like us or have lived the lives we have have that so yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that things are starting to shift more, and I, I hope that continues. I hope that pendulum continues swinging in the same direction. All right, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it here. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure you'll be on the show again next year. I it hope so. Like you come around at least once a year. So <laughs> about that, about that, yeah. Yeah, about that. So yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll have that... you back on again so we can shoot the shit for other stuff. I mean, we totally sure. went into this without any topic in mind, and man, yeah. still an hour. We've been winging it the whole time, <laughs> and it's been worth it. I appreciate you letting me on and oh, yeah. giving me some giving me some pre-flight conversation before I before I fly tonight. Yeah, well, this has been not so live from Asteroid G. I'm Mike Finkelstein, joined in the booth by Will Bloodworth, and we will see you guys next time.